because somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think you can do something that you don't know you can do. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 103 of After 9, a special interview episode with our good friend Scott Pontier talking about young adults in youth ministry. I get it, young adults, not always the same as youth ministry, but if you've served in youth ministry long enough, you know you've probably been asked, hey youth minister, what do you know about young adults? So our good friend Scott from Ministry Architects is here to share his new book and his helpful insight, but wanted to give you a big announcement update. We're going to be at National Youth Workers Convention this November, and we'd love to hang out with you. The Youth Ministry Booster team is going to be there, and we're going to have a Mario Kart tournament. That's right. We want to have the national champion of Mario Kart crowned at National Youth Workers Convention. Come see us at the booth and hang out this November. Link's below. If you haven't signed up yet, you ought to. Chad's giving away t-shirts. I've got coffee. But until then, here's Scott Pontier. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of After Nine with a very special guest. Now, here's the deal. You're going to think, I read the title. This guy didn't say that he was a youth pastor. works with young adults. I don't care about that. I'm a youth pastor. Well, hold on, friend. Scott Pontier has wisdom for you. As a former youth pastor and now pastor of a campus, he's going to tell you the important things about reaching young adults because the youth that you have in your youth group will not be youth forever. They'll one day, one day be young adults. And for many of our listeners, and this is probably you listening now in the car, overwhelmed, driving to work, wondering – I've got young adults that I'm responsible for because not only am I the youth pastor, I'm also the young adult pastor. Well, Scott is here to save the day. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome my friend and now our newest guest on After 9, Scott Pontier. Scott, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great, Zach. Thanks for having me around. I don't know if I can save the day, but um, hopefully people (laughs) can learn from my mistakes. Well, hold on, friend. You wrote the book on it, and we're going to jump into reimagining young adult ministry here in a little bit. And you got a co-author that a lot of our folks know and love. And if he's got his name on it, and you've got your name on it, then we're all looking to you for some answers on how we can reimagine young adult ministry. But before you did reimagining, you were first imagining about being a youth minister. And so I think for a lot of our folks that want to get to know you, the man behind the book that they ought to read, help us know a little bit... <laughs> Youth ministry, Western Michigan, it's the 52nd state. So tell us more about what it's like to be a youth minister up north. Oh, man. Uh, well, you got to plan things very carefully because there's snow for half of the year. So, Perfect. in fact, right, <laughs> very limited run on camp events. Yeah. yeah. Right now, in our uh, middle school ministry at my church, we're trying to scatter for new locations because our, we're outgrowing the homes we're in. And when the snow comes and you can't play with middle school kids in the backyard, you got a problem. So. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Foresight. Yeah. <laughs> Forecast and foresight. <laughs> That's good. Okay. So, but what got you into youth ministry though? I mean, I, we know that you're, you're church pastoring now at, at a multi-site church up in, up in Western Michigan, Harbor Church and all of its kind of affiliates. But, but first you were a youth minister. So why in the world would you get into youth ministry? And uh, <laughs> what was that experience like? You know, when I was in college, uh, I, I was a freshman in college and I was working out at a YMCA and I had a guy uh, okay. that I knew. Um, he was a guy who used to hang out at my high school all the time. He was my cross-country coach. He volunteered in the library. He was at the lunchroom. He was at the girls' basketball games. And I was there because I had a crush on the point guard. And, you know, like, sure, I saw this sure. guy all around. And I saw, I saw him at the Y one day. And he's like, you should be a young life leader. And I said, no thanks, man. 
because I was way too cool to do anything he was inviting me to do. Okay, this has come up on the podcast before, and I, I really so this is this is a call out to anybody that is a uh, young life affiliated beyond just the chapter level. You guys are the best recruiters. <laughs> I have never met someone that worked at Young Life that didn't within the first conversation talk about how they recruited someone to help them work at Young Life. So okay, so he tries to recruit you, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't because uh, I was just way too cool for that, I guess, but. You know, I had this experience where literally three days later, I looked his phone number up in a phone book, these old things that were made of paper that just listed people's phone numbers. And I called him up and I said, all right, I want to, I think I want to be a young life leader. What is it? Oh, he did it. And so he said, if you want to be a young life leader, let's talk. And then he sent me to training the next day. And when I uh, got to training, the first thing they started talking about was this idea of incarnational ministry. Like to reach reach students, you got to build relationships with them. You got to hang out where they hang out. Mm. And that's how we carry the message through relationships. Jesus did it with us. We do it with them. And my brain just exploded because I went, that's what he did to me. Like, that's why, yeah. that's why I'm in the room right now. And I thought, I know this works. And so I started in college doing uh, Young Life. Mm-hmm. And then from there, mm-hmm. took a role after college as a Young Life church partner, where I was a youth director at a church, also helping lead Young Life in the area. And so that's really that's how great. I got into it. Um, and it's really the reason I'm still into it today, because somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think you can do something that you don't know you can do. Mm. Is, isn't that just a, a good metaphor for the calling, though? You know, that is how I try to live my ministry out with teenagers, with kids, with young adults, with adults now, is to try to see what God sees in people. That's great. That's great. Well, okay. That sounds like a great entry point, and it sounds like you've been in youth ministry for several years. So for a lot of our listeners um, that are that are connecting with the Young Life Invitation, they've been a part of, they've led, they've reached out in car nationally and brought people in to be a part of a ministry thing. What is your favorite youth ministry moment? Like, what is the one thing that sticks out to you as like, oh, this is why we do it. This is so good. You know, I think of two things. One, I think is just a just a funny story because it, one of the things that matters okay. in, in youth ministry for us, I, for me, I think is uh, is we create shared experiences together. And I was on this experience mm-hmm. where I was taking this uh, mission trip to Mexico. We had a connection with a group there, and we had this guy that we were partnered with in Mexico who ran the organization we were part of. And we were working on his orphanage and kids' homes and stuff like that. And he just used to tell these like he was from Texas. And everything is bigger in Texas, including the stories. So you just tell these stories, right? And I remember he was telling this story. He used to work for a, a car rental place, and um, and and and, and uh, they had this one experience where the cops came by, and inside of the back of this car, uh, this rental car was like five kilos of cocaine, right? Which I totally didn't buy at all. Right, right, right. Like, sure, sure. This is one of the stories for the week. And then uh, at at some point, we are driving uh, in our vans uh, to a different part of the country, and we're going through this checkpoint. It was a it was a military checkpoint. There's guys with AK forty sevens and and it's like a toll booth slash checkpoint. And so he goes through in the first van. He walk. He gets out of the van. He comes back to where we are in ours, and he says, "Hey, did you guys make sure you get the toll that I left in the um, in the ashtray for you guys?" And I shouted from the back seat, "Yeah, we got it. It was right back here next to the five kilos of cocaine." Oh. Where uh, he, <laughs> all of a sudden the guys with the guns start pointing at us over to the side, and everybody has to get out of the van. And I thought. 
I just got my entire youth group body cavity searched by the Mexican government. <laughs> this is a, this is a problem. <laughs> So then he comes out of the van and he just starts waving at the other, at the guys with the guns. He's like, no, 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 no. And he tells us just to get back in the van and leave. He's like, they do this to us every time we come through. (laughs) But like, I still have people in my life who recount that story to me when I hang out with them and when I see them, (laughs) which is one of the things that really like, that's one of the reasons why I love youth ministry and what gets me out of the bed in the morning around ministry stuff is because even last week, I was in a staff meeting at We're Now This Multi Site Church. We have a lot of people on staff. Um, and there are four people in that room that were in my youth group at one point, you know, mm-hmm. that are on staff yeah, yeah. in ministry that take these stories, that these experiences we had together, and it shapes them in the long haul to reach other people and create new stories there. So for me, that's the win. Like, that's the thing that gets me out of bed. Well, and that's one of the things that we found, like, time and time again for our afternoon listeners that have heard these conversations is that some of the best payoffs in ministry take time. And if you have not been in a place long enough to have a cycle or generation of students kind of rise up into, like, young adult status to help kind of volunteer and support, get hired on staff, then you haven't seen how good it can be. And so for the folks that are caught in the in the waves of two years here, three years there, 18 months there, you are missing out on, and I understand the different reasons for moving different places, but there is something so sweet that only comes from being at a place five, seven, 11 years to see that all. Yeah, I think um, there's a saying that happens in like the recovery communities of 12 steps, like AA and stuff like that, where they say, don't stop until your miracle happens. Right. And I think Mm, that's true in youth ministry. Like, don't give up until you see the miracle happen because it's coming. I mean, it'll be there. So that's true that it may happen, but there's also times that it may not happen. And so uh, the next question for you, Scott, is I mean, you're here, still serving in the church, still writing books for the church. But we were talking pre-show, not everything is always so good. So maybe for our audience that's still waiting on their miracle, but wondering if the miracle is going to happen in this context or somewhere else, give us a little bit of insight to maybe a night or a day or a time that you almost quit ministry. I had a, uh, I had a season where things were not going well uh, at the church, and um, I, remember, I, I remember one specific email I got from a parent. We had... Uh, we were trying to bring the middle and high school kids into the, this was like back in the early two thousands when all of the students were worshiping in their own room on Sunday morning in big churches rather than like together as the family. And we were trying to make some of these pre sticky faith moves uh, connecting generations. And so we, once a month we were bringing them into the worship service and I just had a parent who was not having it and ended the email to me with, I have to stop writing because the more I type, the angrier I get. Right. So I was just oh, using where okay. parents were not on board with what we were trying to do uh, in, in youth mm-hmm. ministry. And in fact, I had a, I had a parent, I remember my, my senior pastor led a parent meeting with me in the room uh, about what we were struggling with in our student ministry. And I just, I just kept feeling like, man, I don't know if this is worth it. I can't seem to quite figure this thing mm-hmm. out. And uh, expectations of parents, I, I'm trying to disciple kids here, right? And yeah, and, and they seem to be working against me rather than with me. Uh, and and, that, and yeah. that was a season where I was in, starting to interview at other churches and looking around and 
you know, like the, it was, you know, late 2000s where the market wasn't good and the economy. And so I figured mm-hmm. eh, I'm, I may be getting fired here if I don't take a position and mm-hmm. try to find something that works. But yeah, those are hard times. Well, no, and that's, and that's the reality sometimes of, uh, working in a ministry that maybe the vision of what you felt compelled to do, or if the senior pastor is asking you to do, and the parent support is just not there, um, navigating those transitions can be really difficult. It can be difficult. Well, tell us now, because you're still in serving in ministry uh, and served many years in youth ministry. We like to talk about the after nine question. So for a lot of our listeners, we know this is the midweek or the Sunday question. You just got done done with all of the youth happenings or the activities or the programming. Like, where do you go like mentally afterwards? Is this uh, the the self care, the reflection? Like, what are you asking yourself after after the big happening? Yeah, and like you said, I mean, I've been I was in youth ministry for about fifteen or twenty years, and now I'm, I'm pastoring, so I'm on stage doing Sunday morning preaching and stuff like that. But I think the question is still the same. Like, I think I come to the same places, and I really ask. My head takes me to places of like, d- does any of these people really like see me? Do they know me? Do mm. they? Do, are any of these people really my friends, or are they just people who think of me as mm. the youth guy or the or the or the preacher? Or so is there anybody here that's going to care about me for me, or are they going to care about me for what yeah. I produce? Uh, and that's, I mean, that's the lonely spot of ministry leadership that we get in. Mm. It's nice to have people around you, but when you're the guy leading things, uh, wearing the leader hat's a, a lonely hat to wear a lot. That's a good word. No, it's, <laughs> it is it is true that especially in the moments when uh, you are leading at a high level of either in front of a room or to uh, a crowd of students and leaders, it feels like you are just there to entertain or perform. And some of those words even enter your vocabulary and you have to like push against that because it feels like I'm just up here to perform a task or to, you know, complete the circus. And so, no, that's, that's important to hear. Uh, what What are some ways maybe you push back against that? So if you're feeling that, you know, Sunday at noon, how do you combat that Monday morning at 9 a.m. of not feeling like you were just there to, you know, complete the task or end a performance, but to, to be seen and to be mm-hmm. fully I human. think um, a couple things. One is that I remember that my feelings lie to me a lot, that they're not worth relying on, okay. especially after, after those moments, because it's, you're tired. Go take a good nap, you know? And I try to remind, I have yeah. stuff written down, like in my journal and my notebooks, that reminds me of what's true, that there are people who care about my family. There's people who care about me. And when I feel those places, I got to go and say, no, let's just remember what's true. Um, another thing is I'm actively, I actively engage a spiritual director in my life, someone who can look at me from the outside and go, no, this is what's true, you know, and and your little crazy thoughts Mm -hmm. are not, those are not worth listening to. Um, and then I, you know, I try to really actively engage, um, important friendship relationships outside of the ministry stuff. The longer you're in it, I think the harder that is to have people who are not part of your church, who are not part of your ministry, um, you know, I have, I have, I have groups of people, I do triathlons, So I have people in my triathlon world that that's the only thing I talk about with them. And they like me and connect with okay. me for there. I have friends that I go see movies with. Okay. That's what we do, right? That we have other things in our life that are not ministry that people care about me in mm. those worlds too. And there is something to cultivating like a legitimate hobby 
outside of ministry, and I think the last thing that most youth pastors want to hear is, hey, you ought to have another thing in your <laughs> life. But there's something about having something that you love, a passion pursuit, a side hustle, a fun thing, something that's not related to the ups and downs of your church community that can be stabilizing for your own kind of humanity and stuff. And so whether that's, you know, brewing coffee or whether that's uh, triathloning, triathleting. <laughs> it's try, trying not <laughs> to die walking. for a Try, try not to die. Yeah, whatever it is, I think those are some of the really key things that help kind of like complete us as a full human. And like having someone know you for, you know, the thing that you wrote or painted or did and not just as the person that pastors is helpful and kind of like fulfilling you know, your, your humanness. Cause it can be really uh, uh, limiting or it makes you feel like a derivative of yourself to only be known as the guy that preaches or that. And they call you pastor. Like I know that that's like, a, like an accolade in a lot of places to be called pastor, but it can also be a really limiting way of like engaging with people to be known as like your function. You know, I, one of the great you. illustrations I have around that feeling uh, is whenever I do a wedding uh, and I'm leading, you know, I, I I'm having two different experiences at once. Cause the wedding, is the place where okay. everyone calls me pastor, right? Like, like it's my first name yeah, or yeah. something. And right. Where's the pastor? They're like, oh, the pastor, pastor? Yeah, can yeah. you come over here? Oh, pastor, do you need this microphone? And, mm-hmm. and nothing it's makes yours. me feel more disconnected when someone labels me with that title rather than like, oh, you're Scott, yeah. right? So, but in, in, yeah. in the middle of this great big room full of people who are so disconnected from me that they only can call me pastor, I get to stand with two people who I've walked through their marriage with, right? And who Mm -hmm. know me and who I know and have this moment with the three of us, but that's in the middle of this Mm -hmm. moment that a bunch of strangers are happening too. It's got to be like a Jesus crowd and disciple thing, right? Where they're like, teacher, heal us, teacher, feed us. And Peter's like, what are they talking about? And this is that really kind of like those layers of, you know, what is important and who knows you best. And so yeah. that's good. Well, speaking of being known and being relatable and relevant, uh, Scott, we got you on the show here today because you've written a book and it's called Reimagining Youth, Young Adult Ministry. And you partnered, co-wrote with our buddy Mark DeVree. And I think that this topic is whether you call it millennials, whether you call it young adults, or whether you call it the problem of 2017 into 2018 that a lot of folks, especially youth-minded, youth-ministerial folks, are being looked at as having some of the answers of how do we reach folks that are, I guess, young adult you would define as maybe 20-ish to not 30-ish? Or give us some parameters of when you're talking about young adult and when you're talking about ministry, give us some of the parameters of what you think is kind of some good guidelines for what is kind of on the table, off the table for for that kind of scope. Yeah, I think uh, think a lot of churches define it differently. Um, But I think the most active working definitions that works well are about 18 to 30. It's college students and 20-somethings really, really well. But as we see with this particular young adult generation, uh, the markers of adulthood are, are, are fuzzy and they are elongating as we continue society. Well, okay. So, so if it's kind of the 18 to 29, 18 to 30 as kind of the age range, um, what, what are some of the things that you leave the book off with this, some of the things that aren't working? I think a lot of folks, uh, want to know, okay, well, what is working, but I think you do a good job in the book by setting up, okay, well, here's some of the things that it's not. Here's who it's not, and here's kind of what's not working. So for those of us that haven't read the book, you want to bring us in, give us a couple just off the top, like help kind of parse through, filter through the things that aren't working in young yeah, adult Yeah, I think um, I think really one of the things that aren't working with young adult ministry is that we, we tend to like take really simple solutions to the problem of how do we get them connected. So we say things like, 
all we got to do is change yeah. the worship style and that'll, and that'll do it. You know, right. um, all we got to do is read some books and like read some blogs and, and just assume, well, when I was their age, it was like this. Right. Uh, and I think one of the big ones that most churches yeah. make is they assume like, well, we can just ask the youth director to do it and then it'll be fine. Which is a huge right. way to undersell right. what really needs to happen with young adults and the investment we actually need yeah. to make. Uh, Rather than going, well, let's just go down the hallway and add the words and young adults to the title of the director of youth, right? Hey, man, we'll give you a hundred bucks more a year, maybe right, even a yeah. thousand if you're good. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I think that by you naming that, because, and, and I, I maybe would even offer that maybe the word ministry, even though we do want to function ministerially to young adults, is one of the kind of misnomers for doing young adult ministry because we think it's another program approach, right? Like, I think that's one of the things that, uh, in reading your book and kind of reflecting on what's not working is that we're trying to add another departmental approach to young adult ministry so that you can have your nice slots of preschool, children, middle school, high school, college, college plus, which we'll call young adults. And it doesn't like function in that departmental way. And so, yeah, so it's not another program. And so if we're thinking, oh, well, we'll just have young adult camp or we'll have young adult curriculum. And, and and yes, you may have things that you kind of retool and redesign for that, but if the immediate response, the gut check, is to just flavor differently or add to another kind of ministerial program, then you're probably missing out on what is kind of underneath the surface. I think you do a really good job of naming that uh, by, and this is the part that I want to talk more about, addressing it with a level of fluency and adaptability that when I read it, the thing that I read in your book that it sounded most like was approaching young adult ministry almost with a missiological lens of like discovery and language and culture. And so I would love to hear you more speak about that because there's some in the book, but I want to hear more from you here of what does it mean to maybe take the approach that young adult missiology is at stake more than just another department? Yeah, because that is the first step that we take. We sort of try to develop some expertise about what we think they want, and then we try to provide it for them, which is really the only thing we know how to do with people younger than adults for some reason. You know, we do this with kids. Like you said, we do this with students, and um, we feel like we're in the business of providing something, which goes to the whole, like, consumeristic sort of values around church world. But, man, the millennials today, they're not having it. That is... You know, like we can't just put in the bulletin, yeah. let's, uh, we're going to buy some pizza and play some volleyball and that's our young adult ministry because it's not, they're not having it. The cool thing that I love about the generation today yeah. uh, is they are, they are a generation that is defined almost by their intense desire to make the world a better place, right? Like, like what, I tell the story in the book, but I was on an airplane okay. and the TV screens came down and there was this like a extended five minute long commercial from the Hard Rock Cafe. And it was all about like young adults. It was 20 somethings <laughs> in there and it had nothing to do with the menu, but it was all the ways in which Hard Rock is like changing the world. Okay. They're, you know, feeding orphans in Uganda and, yeah, you know, yeah. saving polar bears in the Arctic or whatever it is that they're doing. And it had nothing about their menu. It was just Hard Rock right. Cares. Right. That's our culture right now. And so the church is missing that connection piece because the millennials and young adults, they want to be on mission. They care about that. They're going to do it with or without the gospel. And if we don't equip them with the gospel and do it as partners with them, uh, it's not going to work at all. And we already know that we're already seeing the results of that in churches today. 
Well, and I like what you just shared, so I'm make sure our listeners hear that, that they're going to be on mission either with or without the gospel, which is a really critical thing to pick up, is that they're already pointed in a direction. The question is, what are they carrying with them? And I, I think about the conversations we've had with young folks that are you know, maybe may involved in a youth ministry but end up serving in the Peace Corps because a lot of the ministry organizations weren't as readily to accept them or take them, or it's the young folks that want to go serve um, in, in a place that's destitute. So Teach for America is is picking up lots of our young folks that want to go teach in impoverished areas when the church lacks a certain kind of response that looks like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like one of the things Mark is really passionate about is entrepreneurship, right? And yeah. this is a, a golden age of entrepreneuring, right? Because you can- Everybody's starting something. Everybody's starting something. <laughs> and, and out in the world, it's young adults that are starting things. But in the yeah. church, we're going, you know- 35 years old, let's make you a junior elder in training, right? Right, right, like right. You, are you, you want to collect the offering? Could you, could, could you be, you're 35 now, you've got kids, would you collect the offering? Just do that. I mean, you are old enough to be the president of the United States in this country, but you're not old enough to lead in the church, right? Right, right. right. And well, eventually, you'll get, you'll get your day, son, you'll get your day, yeah. <laughs> so I think like for the church to really pay attention to that, we have to stop thinking that we're trying to provide something for them and start thinking we're trying to be on mission with them and, yeah. and gravitate towards doing this together. And Mark, you know, Mark's great dream is that churches would approach young adults and say, what's your dream to change yeah. the world? And we've got yeah. leaders and resources. How do we come and resource you to achieve your goals in mission? And that's a different kind of discipleship. You know, it, absolutely. And it starts, like you said, it's the question first. And I think that's one of the things that's fundamentally different between a ministry and a mission or a missiological kind of like lens or approach is if you are approaching it with, with ministry, and I, I use that word more slanted towards like the program approach of like, here's our answer for what you need. Mm-hmm. But that listening approach of like, well, what is the thing that you want to be about? What is the thing you want to do? At first, it kind of disarms us because we're not running in like, you know, here's what we have for you take it or leave it but it asks of them it helps us go find them because if we're just spouting answers you actually don't need a very full room to spout answers <laughs> No. But if you're asking questions, you've got to sit down. You've got to do the hard work and pay the time into hearing what they have to say. And so I, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more. Uh, what, what are some ways that you have seen this successful? So obviously, like if we're here to reimagine, there's been some things either you have experienced firsthand or in your work with ministry architects. Like what, what are some of the things that you and Mark have seen working in other places that have kind of fueled this fire for entrepreneurship? Um, that have fueled this fire for entrepreneurship, uh, for innovation, ideas? Like, what are, what are some of these things that have kind of catalyzed this thinking for you? You know, I think, um, I think a lot of people are doing a lot of different things around this, and they're trying to find their way into it. Um, one, one church I know, um, Chris Sasser leads a lot of young adult stuff um, at Port City Community Church uh, in, uh, in North Carolina. And one of the things that they decided to do was build, like, what they call the leader's journey, and they created, okay. I mean, it was a program, right? They built a program out of this thing, uh, but they really took like 10 to 20 college students that had to apply for this experience. Uh, and then they got them connected to business leaders in the community who would serve as their mentors. And they would gather mm-hmm. them, I think like a couple times a month, and uh, they would work through a topic of what does it mean to be a Christian in the world? 
as an adult, mm. right? What does that mean? And let's talk about integrity, right? Let's talk about how you yeah. lead in a business setting and all that stuff. Uh, but they would build these relationships with these people who are out in the, in the, in the business world and say, uh, how, how can I come alongside of you and help you engage in, in what you're doing in a real world thing that sort of, mm. It's disconnected from the church as far as a program goes, but it's very connected to the gospel in as far as how do we okay. disciple someone to live into the world as an adult uh, in a new okay. way. And so I, that that's had seen great success. They they do this. They're in the third year of doing this, and and uh, young adults and costumes just love it. Which which is one of the things that you mentioned in the book is that young adult ministry, if we're going to reimagine it in the right ways, might seem more paradoxical than it seems straightforward, and that some of the that sometimes the way up is down. <laughs> And so maybe if you could just speak a word of encouragement for folks that like, I mean, because if, if you pastor is hearing this, youth minister is hearing this, and they've been tapped to do young adult ministry or at least to explore the process, like what you're telling them is that they're going to go back with some answers that maybe some folks are not ready to hear. So help give us a word of affirmation about why the paradox is true and how they might begin to defend the position of paradox when it comes back to this discovery of doing young adult ministry in the right kind of way. Yeah, because I think when somebody gets tapped to do this ministry and they're like, all right, go win with young adults, what they're saying is be a success, uh, get a lot of people to show up, and spend a lot of time with actual young adults. When actually the way to become partners with young adult means you have to totally change your version of success, right? Okay. You have to be willing to go, the way we're going to succeed is we're going to fail a lot. We're going to experiment and we're not going to stop once we've started. So we're going to build some things with them that might not take off right away. Uh, and, okay. and really, we're not going to even focus on young adults. We're going to focus on doing mission. When we get serious about being on mission for our community, young adults get really attracted to that kind of work. And they want to be part okay. of that. And they're also okay. like, we're going to recruit old adults. That's where we're going to start. We're going to start with older generation folks. Because young adults want to be in a relationship with them. We're not going to isolate them in a, in a room with a guitar and call it good. Right. <laughs> so there's like, it, it seems like what we need to do is build a thing just for them and just focus on them. But what if we... Which is what we did for children's and youth. So clearly we'll just do that for the people that are eight years old. Yeah, yeah. Same song, different verse. Let's just keep doing that. That's right. right. That's right. We, but here's the thing. Like there's enough research. Growing Young has done it. Sticky Faith has done it. Yeah. That says that doesn't work. Like we are at a point of seeing the results to say, you know, one out of two kids who are in our youth groups uh, aren't engaged when they're 22. So why would we keep doing that? Why don't, and I know like there's a bunch of stuff changing in youth ministry to help get at that in a great way. But if we're going to talk about what we do with college students and young adults, uh, let's not even start there anymore. Let's start in these other different ways of thinking to say, let's start with older generation folks. Let's start with focusing on our mission. Uh, Let's start with uh, thinking differently and and asking for young adults to commit more when it seems like they're flaky all the time. And let's focus on sending. Oh, man, if I could see churches go, what are the key points that young adults transition? Because they do. They're very transient, right? They get jobs. They get a new partner. They get married. They they move all the time. Have a baby. Yeah, yeah. Right. What if we could say, that's really important for us to focus on saying, now we're going to send you into the next town, the next church, the next phase of life with all of these tools we've given you. Uh, if churches could say, I want to help another church have the world's greatest young adult leader in their congregation, man, that's a different way of measuring a win. Okay. Okay. Well, so 
all very helpful and, and keen insights, and I think some real kind of good imagining stuff there for our listeners. But but that that doesn't necessarily help if we just got tapped last month to have something new next month. So Scott, in your wisdom and your writings and what you've kind of seen and vision cast, if someone got asked to do more for young adults in their church community, what is something in the next month they could begin to do that would help kind of point them and their congregation in kind of the right um, progression? Like what, what what is an incremental thing that could happen in the next month to kind of give them some encouragement, <laughs> affirmation of like, okay, here's how we begin to tilt, think, or lens a little differently. Yeah, if I were in that spot and like my board of elders has said, all right, go – I would say the first thing I'm going to do is take a step backward into, into our assumptions. And I would say, you're telling me to go. And I bet you have some assumptions about what that looks like. I think the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to connect with as many young adults as I can in the next 30 days. And I'm going to find out what they're passionate about, uh, what, what's moving and going on. I'm going to get to know young adults and I'm going to bring that back to you so you can get to know them. And in fact, I might even invite you into some of those conversations so we can start building this collaborative way forward instead of just assuming we know what they want. Let's get to know some young adults and, and let them help lead the way forward as to what will work. So the first step, do do some local grassroots research. Go to the coffee shops, go to the hangouts, and just ask people, learn from, maybe maybe even outside the church, like oh, not yeah. just the folks that... Not for the three or four that you may have hanging around, but to ask their friends and get connected that way, and, and, and purely on the research basis. Not this is not recruitment for a program. This is the research of like, tell me what you're really into. Tell me what your scariest fear is. Tell me what your favorite TV show is. Tell me what your you know your biggest aspiration and dream is. And then try okay. to draw that together and say, this is what we're hearing from young adults in our community, whether they're kids that have graduated from our youth ministry or kids at a local college or, you know, wherever, wherever they are. The Starbucks employee right. down the street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come up with like some pointed questions. And I think we might even throw some in the back of the book to help that conversation, but yeah. uh, come up with some strategic ways to say, I'm going to ask a lot of questions and I'm going to listen a lot and capture what's really happening in the lives of young adults. All right. Give us some of the secret sauce. We're here at the end of our time something that's happening with young adults or in your research, something that you wish was happening that you think would just like totally change the game. You've researched, you work, you do, and you just, you probably have had that thought of like, if this, if somebody could get, Ooh, if they could put this together, this would be game changing. Like give us your like biggest, broadest, coolest, scariest imagination for young adult ministry in 2018. and beyond. Uh, We didn't put this in the book, but I would love to write another book kind of about this. Yeah, okay, give us yeah, give us the next book. Give us the um, next book, Scott. You know, I think there's a lot to be said about how we engage existing churches in young adult ministry. If existing churches could find mm-hmm. a way to gather young adults to launch new churches in their community, I think it would be a game changer for mm-hmm. everything involved. I mean, there is a sense of mm-hmm. new things attract new people, uh, but to put young adults mm-hmm. to work on the gospel of planting churches and starting ministries, um I don't think there's anything more pure discipleship than that. Uh, and if they, mm. they would work hard and they would, they would reach into places the church right now has no way to touch and reach uh, that ways that mm. 35 and older can, could never do. So if we were to team them up, yeah. you know, with churches and saying, part of what we're doing here is we're going to reproduce this church in a, in a new and creative way, and young adults are going to be on the forefront of those of those lines. Ooh, I think things would change. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, so, all right. There you have it. Your task is to go find some indigenous young adults, research with them, ask them tough questions, listen to their responses, and then begin the process of inviting them into a challenge to replicate, equip, and then change the way in which your church even thinks about being church in your local context. Uh, Scott, people are going to have questions after this for sure, Lee. We're going to put links to the book below. Best forums for imagining, reimagining, connecting for young people. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can always reach me uh, at scott at ministryarchitects.com. You can just email me. And um, the interesting thing about this conversation okay. is that there isn't a place in our culture right now where it's happening. Right. There isn't like, there's no young adult ministry conference. There's no real young adult ministry center as a, as a website and as a blog. Um, so we're hoping to engage people in this conversation a little bit more and more and build some of that stuff out. So, um, you know, our website for the book, uh, youngadultministry.net. Um, and that's a great place to go. And you can always find us through Ministry Architects too. Super. Well, Scott, again, thank you for your time today. Good luck on your next uh, triathlon. <laughs> as you prep and prepare and we are really thankful for whether or not your title says young adult you probably have been included on a conversation at your church about millennials or young adult and what it would look like to re-engage or reimagine that ministry pick up scott and mark's book super helpful super good especially when you're trying to outline the conversations with a team that tapped you to do it or the senior pastor that has big ideas about how you're going to fix it so again scott thanks thank for you it's been conversation great and time today there you go. That's our interview with Scott. If you want to learn more about his book and more about how to get connected with his group of people working on young adult ministry, if you've been tasked with that or if you feel a calling to that, then make sure to check out the links in the show notes below. Scott's book is great. I read it. I enjoy it. Share it with your team. And we'll see you back next week. Thanks for listening to After 9. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter or Facebook at After 9 Ministry. Or visit www.afternineministry.com to subscribe and learn more. I'm going to turn your world upside down. And I'm going to show you things you've never seen before. Are you ready? Get set.